You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Koop. This morning, we're in Ephesians chapter 1, so you can get your Bibles out if you like and go there, get your notes out. We're only going to cover four verses this morning, but it's rich stuff, and so let's get started. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul writes here. Paul's the author. Some people have questioned that a bit, but he is, most agree, the author for Ephesians. And he's writing to the church in Ephesus. So here we go. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. So he kind of gives, this is who's writing. Here's my credentials. I'm an apostle to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. So he's writing to the church in Ephesus, the city that Paul loved. He spent three years of his life there. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 19, chapter 20, somewhere in there. And we find out that Paul... Uh, He caused quite a stir there. Actually, it's a good chapter to read sometime during the week. Read Acts chapter 19 and find out the stir that Paul caused. He was, uh, yeah, he stirred up a lot of stuff in that city. And uh, you need to go back there and read it if you have a chance this week. Ephesus was an amazing city. It was, it's in modern day Turkey. But at the time, it was at the crossroads between kind of the Middle East and Europe. And so it was used as a, trading center. A lot like Vancouver, it was a port city, and a lot of similarities between Ephesus and Vancouver. The population at its time, it was 350,000. For that day, it was a pretty big city. They had had a big theater, sat 25,000 people, about the size of Rogers Arena, and uh, so they'd all get there. As much as we have a Canucks night, and you know when the Canucks are playing in town because the streets are jammed, they would have big deal at their amphitheater, and the city was jammed. They had big spas, big baths, and so forth. That the people were into that. People were into uh, into the arts, and they were into this temple. There was a temple after the goddess Diana or Artemis, depending if you were Greek or Roman, and that was a huge deal. A lot of people came from all over to see this temple, and it was uh, it was perverted. It was pornographic. They went there, and in the, the consummation of your worship was you, uh, you had this relationship with the prostitute in the, in the temple. So they had their own dynamics in that city. Paul's writing to this church in, in, in Ephesus, and he's going to give them instructions because they live in a world that's broken, the temptation's there, just like we'd have in our world today. And he's going to give them instructions on how to be overcomers, how to not get swallowed up in that because... They had a lot of challenges similar to what we'd have today. Uh, Ours may look a little bit different, but really the same temptations, same challenges. So Paul's writing to this church in Ephesus. He he loves that church, spent a lot of time there. He'd sent Timothy there, so they had Timothy come. That's a heavy hitter. Paul's a heavy hitter. They had Apollos came and taught there. He was another great preacher of the day. Uh, Who else went? John the Baptist, not John the Baptist, John the Beloved, John the Disciple. He got banished to the island of Patmos. He's the only disciple that wasn't martyred. And uh, they tried to kill him, but they couldn't. At one time, they, they pushed him off the temple, and he, he, he got up and survived that. They, they dropped him in boiling oil, and he just came up and said, Brothers, I keep telling you, I love one another. And uh, so he was this great disciple of love. And so finally, they couldn't kill him. So they said, Well, let's ship him to the island of Patmos, and he can work in a rock quarry. So they shipped him to Patmos, and that's where he had the wrote the book of Revelation, which is an amazing book. And so he didn't die there as an old man in the rock quarry. So they just said, okay, you're old, you can't do anything. So he ends up going back to Ephesus and he 
spends a lot of part of his life there in that town. Uh, Jesus' mother was at Ephesus. Uh, so a lot of heavy hitters in that church. They had a lot of great teaching in Ephesus, and Paul writes this letter to them there. Some of the earlier manuscripts don't have the word Ephesus in it, and some do, and from that they conclude that this letter wasn't just for the church at Ephesus. It got circulated to other cities, and really Paul wrote to the Ephesians, but for us. It applies to coastal church today. So as we read this, we really have to think that it was written for us as well. But interesting, I don't know if you caught that. Uh, he calls us faithful. He calls us saints. You know that you're a saint. And he's like, oh, come on, give me a break. <laughs> I am no saint. Uh, yeah, I, I find it interesting that he didn't say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to you low down no good sinners in Ephesus. I know you are. You're a bunch of creeps. You do a bunch of bad things, and I got to straighten you out. He's not saying that. He says, to the saints who are in Ephesus. That's quite something. You know, we're not called a saint because of our performance. We're not called a saint because now we've reached a certain age and we get to be called a saint. We're not called a saint because somebody voted for us. You know, I picked on Brad earlier. I could pick on Brad again this, this next service. But, you know, if we said, okay, let's have a vote on whether or not Brad is a saint. How many, how many would think Brad is a saint? Can I see your hands? I think we got a majority, Brad. <laughs> you passed. You're now a saint. Aren't you glad that people don't vote on whether or not you're a saint? No, this was, Paul said, God decided this. You are a saint. A uh, saint, what does that mean? Well, God calls us saints not based on what we've done, but based on what Christ has done for us, not based on merit. Uh, and he calls us great before we are great. Remember Simon, the reed, the disciple? Jesus says, Simon, I'm not going to call you Simon because it means a reed. Somebody who waves back and forth, I'm going to call you a rock. Long before Chevy came up with it, Chevrolet, like a rock, <laughs> Jesus was calling Simon a rock. He says, you're Petra, you're a rock. And on that revelation, I'll build my church of who you are, of who you are in me. He calls Peter this rock. He calls Gideon. Gideon is a, he's a scared farmer, and he's hiding out, and he's thrashing his grain. And the enemy has come and stolen uh, their property. And God shows up to Gideon, and he says, Gideon, I got an assignment for you. And Gideon says, uh, I think you picked the wrong person. I am kind of the least of the least. You should be looking for somebody else. And God says, no, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. God has this way of showing up in your life, and you think, oh, God, I can't do that. And God says, no, no, you can do that. You're great. You're strong. God sees the finished product, and he calls you finished before you're finished. The Holy Spirit's doing this work in your life, but God sees us as a saint. He sees us complete. Why? Because we are in Christ. If, you, if I had a piece of paper, or this won't work really good with my microphone, but if I stuck it in here inside there. It's in there. And we are in Christ. We are hidden in him. So when he looks at us, he sees Christ. And he sees us as holy. He sees us as cleansed. He sees us as more than conquerors because we are in Christ. He sees us as saints. This is a great truth. It's easy to read the book of Ephesians and you, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I'll just read, I'll kind of skip over the first few verses because it sounds just like a salutation, try to get to the good stuff. But this is the good stuff that God would call us saints. Yeah. So let's go on to verse number two. Paul again says here in his opening 
statement. He says, grace to you and peace. Two good things to get are grace and peace. Would you agree? Grace is God's favor. Peace is this, not peace of mind, really peace of heart and peace of mind, both. It's in the middle of the storm. I don't have to worry. Everything's going to be okay. Grace and peace from where? From God. From God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the source of the grace. He's the source of the peace. Grace is used 12 times in this letter. He has a lot to say about grace. Verse number three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, notice that's past tense, right? Has blessed us, not going to, this already has happened, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Man, that is a good verse. Just look at your neighbor and say, that's a good verse. Just in case you weren't sure, it is a good verse. So first of all, he has blessed us, past tense. That means it's already happened. You don't have to think it's coming someday. No, he has already blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing, not just some spiritual blessings. You know, it's not like an inheritance where I'm going to divide so much to you, so much to you, so much to you, so much to you. No, no, we all got an equal share of every blessing in the spiritual heavenly places. And, you know, every blessing is a lot because of who it came from. If I said, I am going to bless you with everything I have, uh, you're not getting a lot. I hate to tell you that. (laughs) You're not getting much. But if God says, I'm going to bless you with every blessing I have, you're getting a lot. Why? Because of the source. He's got a lot to give. He's giving you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The key is we have to be able to uh, have to be able to receive that. Have to be able to accept what He has for us. The world measures wealth, success, uh, privilege based on what we have or what we don't have, who we know, how many friends we have on Facebook, or how many hits on a YouTube video, and and we we measure what we have based on that. That's kind of the natural realm. But in this spiritual or heavenly realm, you are incredibly rich. I mean, big time, big time, incredibly wealthy where it really counts. And you know the good thing, good news about this? Nobody can ever take it from you. Somebody could steal your things. We got beepers for everything, right? We beep our car. We got security code. I got a security code to get on my iPad. I got a security code to get on my phone. I got a security code to come into the building. I got a code for this. And and we're really obsessed with making sure everything's secure and not getting stolen. Guess what? None of us have worried that we lose any of our spiritual blessings. Why? It's it's secure. It It won't wear out. Unlike my shoes, they're nice, but they'll wear out. Uh, unlike my clothes, they'll wear out, or my car will wear out, or my, my, my money might, I might run out of money, but you'll, you'll never lose any of this in that spiritual bank account, if you like, that you've been blessed with. Wow. Now, the problem is, and it was certainly was in my life, and I'm still discovering what is in there. I, I'm finding out that this is a huge treasure. And the more we dig into it, the more I go, wow, God, you really have blessed us. It's a lifetime journey. But 
If we don't go looking, if we don't dig it, it's there, but we're not even enjoying it. There's a verse in the Bible that says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. Because you can be a believer, you can be a Christian, and you can live in absolute spiritual poverty and not enjoy the blessings of God because you, you didn't even know they were for you. You were just kind of existing. You had a, you're adopted, you're his child, but you're not enjoying the blessing. I'm going to ask our interns to come up, and they're going to do a little skit for us this morning that helps illustrate it. So interns, why don't you come get set up for that? And while they do that, let me just tell you that the interns serve here uh, throughout the year, and they're coming near the end of their term, uh, but they have grown so much in God this past year. And uh, we start a new batch in January. Not only do they study different subjects, but they also serve in different areas. And uh, if you know of somebody that's interested in starting in January, we encourage you to sign up for that. You can see Karen Wong, and she'll give more information or get on the website for that. And uh, I know for ourselves, there was some years that we gave up just to serve God. And uh, we didn't realize the fruit of it till years later. And same thing with them. It'll be five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. Some say, why are you there? Why, what happened to you that you're at this place? It's because I took a year out of my life and I built this foundation. And not just, a, it's a, not just an academic foundation, it's a spiritual foundation that bears fruit for the years to come. So they've uh, put together a little skit to help illustrate the message this morning. And uh, so here we go. Give them a big welcome as they do this for us this morning. Can you spare some change? Excuse me, I, I just need a few more dollars just for... Excuse me, ma'am, I, I just need to stay at the hostel. And... Excuse me, ma'am, can you... Oh, never mind. Nobody cares. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Well, no, actually, not really. Well, is it, is it something I can do for you? Well, it, it's just that I've been in Vancouver for like almost two weeks now. And I can't find a job anywhere. I, I don't know anybody here, and, and I'm not eligible to stay at the shelter. Hey, my name's Kelly. I, I'm Hunter. Well, now you know somebody. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, hey, do you have any family or do you know any, anybody that could help you out around the area? No, I, I don't know anybody here. I don't, I'm, I'm alone. I don't have anybody. Well, hey, here. I have a Tim Hortons card that you can totally have. It has some money left on it. And yeah, have it. I mean, there's Tim Hortons everywhere. I mean, there's one right across the street. Thank you. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Really. Enjoy. It's not my jurisdiction. So I sent him to paralegal. <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing about? I, I don't know. Whatever you guys are talking about. <laughs> Good. Take a seat. We have work to do. Can you take notes? Yep. Let's review our current status on the estates of Jeffrey. Deloria. 
Well, Mr. Delory passed away on November 1st. We began to carry out his will immediately thereafter with the distribution of his estate to his nephew. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm new on this case. What is the nephew's name? Hunter J. Delorier. Okay. The estate consists of $517.2 million, a 3,500-square-foot penthouse suite in the Shangri-La, Vancouver, five developed and three undeveloped acres in British properties, a number of steakhouse, which also includes Coast, Kobe, and key modern Japanese and bar, 22% of Canucks Sports Entertainment, one G5 jet, and a fleet of sports cars, and one autographed Wayne Gretzky rookie card. Wow. Whoa. So basically you're saying he has everything that someone could ever dream of? Yeah. Now, considering we've tried everything to look for him, I don't know what else we can do. Oh, what ways have you tried to find him? We've looked up RCMP records, tried the CSIS system, and we've used all sorts of social media. Seems as if we're out of options. Okay. Mm. Have you guys tried putting it in the paper? Have we tried putting it in the paper? No, I don't think so. We should try putting it in the paper! It's a great idea! <laughs> Hunter, Hunter. Kelly, hey. hi. Hey, how's it going? I'm, I'm all right. Okay, so I was like reading the paper, and it seems that everybody's looking for this guy named Hunter, um, Hunter, the the Laurier, and um, I was thinking, hey, I know a Hunter, so I was just wondering. Is that you? What do you mean everyone's looking for him? Even if I was this Hunter Delorier, I didn't do anything wrong. Okay, um, but is it you? Are, are you Hunter Delorier? Yes, that's me. Oh my. Do you have an uncle named Jeffrey? Yeah, my, my dad had a brother named Jeff, but they had a falling out when I was a baby. I, I don't even know him. Wait, why, why is everyone looking for me? Because Hunter, this uncle of yours has left you a huge estate. Look. What? Five hundred million dollars? Yeah. yeah. What? No, 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 no. This, this, this has got to be a mistake. No, no, this can't be real. Is, is this some sort of joke? Is this is a sick joke? Hunter, this is no joke. This, this is actually happening. <sighs> okay. No, no, no. I can't. I can't believe this. No, no, no. I, I didn't even know my uncle. Why would he give this to me? I, I, I don't deserve this. No, maybe, maybe you don't deserve it, but you're his family, and that's all that matters. He's given it all to you. Man, we, we need to find these, uh, these lawyers, and you need to talk to them, like, right now. I just can't believe that someone gave this inheritance to me. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what to do. What, what, what do I do? Um... Hey, I actually know where their offices are. I, I can take you there if you want. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, so maybe you could buy me a Timmy's now. Yeah. <laughs> I, Timmy's card, no problem. I'll buy you three. No, no, buddy. I'm talking about a Tim Hortons restaurant. What? Yeah. A restaurant? Yeah. <laughs> oh, great job. Thanks interns for helping us understand the message this uh, this morning. So the 
the illustration is pretty clear that here's this guy, and he doesn't realize that he's got this great inheritance. And uh, lo and behold, in the newspaper, it's printed that uh, he is the sole heir to this great fortune. And uh, when he wakes up to that fact, he's pretty surprised, but he has to do something. He has to go to the lawyers. He's got to go and receive it and has to kind of enact what's been passed on to him. In January 2003, uh, there was a teenager, 18 years of age, and uh, she had to wait till she was 18 when she was no longer a child, but really became an adult. And on her 18th birthday, she received $2 billion worth of inheritance. She was the richest teenager at that time. Her grandfather was Aristotle Onassis, and uh, she received this huge amount of money. On her birthday, 18th birthday, she wasn't out celebrating. She spent the whole day with KPMG going through the finances. Maybe not a lot of fun, but pretty rewarding, as they unpacked for her what her inheritance was. You know, the amazing thing is we're family with God, and he calls us sons and daughters. Have you ever seen a company? It doesn't say John Doe and children. It'll say John Doe and sons because they're part of the family. And God comes along and says, you're my family, and I want you to have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What a tragedy it is that so many Christians don't realize that we have the blessings of God in our life. And we can walk through our Christian life in poverty and say, oh, please, somebody help me, when we don't realize, like it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I love it out of the Amplified Bible, it says, and God has blessed us with every blessing and every favor so that in all circumstances and whatever the need, we'd be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support. We're furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. That's God's plan for us. But we can walk through our life in misery and poverty and, and, and just in rejection if we don't realize the incredible blessings that are there for us. As much as he read the paper and the light went on, I said, wow, this is for me? We have to have that light go on spiritually and realize, wow, this is for me. I think sometimes we miss it because we're looking for an earthly blessing. This is a spiritual blessing. And sometimes, well, right now, what does this have to do with me? I'm unemployed, or I'm going through a breakup, or I need to get through my schooling, or what does this have to do with me? Absolutely everything, because the heavenly realm and the natural realm are connected. There's not a disconnect. There's a connection between the two. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're coaching a sports team, and the opponent walks out, and they're a lot bigger than your team, and fear strikes your players. Fear is a spirit. Paul said, God has not given us a spirit, a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Think about it. When fear attacks, what do you lose? You lose your power. As a player, you go, oh, man, it just, just, it just kind of saps the power out of you. You lose your love. You start just thinking about yourself, and you lose your sound mind. You don't think clearly because that spirit has affected the players. It's something in the spiritual realm that's affecting the natural realm. Well, let me give you another example. More and more, the medical community is saying unforgiveness, bitterness, worry affects the health of the body. That's a spiritual thing. Unforgiveness is a spiritual thing. If you carry an attitude of unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart, it affects your body's immune system. That's proven. It's a spiritual thing, but it's connected to the natural world. 
Fear is a spiritual thing, but it's connected to the natural world. Now, on the other side of that, love is a spiritual force that's connected to our world. Forgiveness. All these things in the spiritual realm affect the natural realm. And it's in that place, that place, that Paul writes to the Ephesians. And he says, he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing where? In the heavenly realms. Jesus is Lord in that spiritual realm. He absolutely defeated the powers of darkness. He defeated them. And the only way those powers of darkness can affect us in the natural realm is if we let them. If we let them come in and squat on our land, a squat in our family, squat in our business. If we, and if, or if we don't know that we have the right to say, you don't belong here. Unforgiveness, I'm not going to allow you to be in my heart. During the prayer time after the first service, one lady came up and she said, you know, I've had somebody in, in a business agreement and they haven't fallen through on what they're supposed to do. It's affecting our entire business. And she says, today I have got to forgive that person. I have to release this. And through the authority, the blessing that we have in that spiritual realm, she was able to forgive him. Does that translate into a difference in the natural realm? You better believe it. Because when we forgive others, as we have been forgiven, it affects not only us physically, emotionally, it affects our business world. In that realm, Paul's saying, Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Wow. We're so privileged. We're so blessed. Later on in the book of Ephesians, if you follow the through the book, he talks again about this heavenly places. And in there he says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. That's where our wrestling match is. The wrestling match wasn't with this business person who wasn't cooperating. It was a struggle in the heavenly realms. The wrestling match isn't with your mother-in-law, guys. The wrestling match is with the power of darkness. The wrestling match is with your spouse or with your kids. Where we win the victory first is in that spiritual realm. And to do that, we have to step up and say, wait a minute. In that spiritual realm, no, you don't. In Jesus' name, I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing with authority, with victory. Victory. He says, I have given the victory we have in Christ. Now, if we're ignorant, we don't know about it. If we're apathetic or if we're doubtful, we'll sit there and we'll be beggars. God didn't intend for his kids to be beggars. What kind of a father would want his child to be a beggar? Don't fathers want to give their children the best? Don't fathers want to equip them to, to be successful in life? Well, how much more doesn't our Heavenly Father want to equip us with every spiritual blessing? But in order to do that, we have to step into that spiritual realm and say, first of all, Lord, I receive it. I receive it. I thank you that I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now, that could sound a little bit like, who are you to say that you're blessed with every spiritual blessing? Like, what is that? And you may not feel like you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. You may feel like, I don't feel that way at all. I feel like I'm going through a knothole backwards. I don't feel blessed. But if God says you're blessed with every spiritual blessing, then you are. You can't change that fact because the Father spoke it. I read an article about this, and here's what the author had to say. 
Ephesians will have a great impact on us when we decide to say what God says about us. The problem with saying it anyway is that when you say it, you don't see it. You don't feel like you're being truthful. I am blessed, but I don't feel blessed. So am I telling the truth? That's the dilemma we're in. He goes on to say, but when the truthful God who cannot lie tells you something about yourself, then you can say what God says. Someone might ask, why are you saying that about yourself? You can tell them, I'm not saying that about myself. I'm just saying what God has said about me. God says I'm blessed with every blessing in the heavenly realms. God said that. So I can say anything that God says and rely upon that, and no one can accuse me of lying. To accept this is to not lean to our own understanding, but to catch it in our heart. This is a great spiritual truth. You've got to catch it in your heart. You can't catch it in your mind. You catch it first in your heart. That's where we catch it. And then from there, it's lived out in our life. It's a spiritual blessing. Heavenly places in that spiritual realm. It's, Ephesians is a lot like the Old Testament book of Joshua. Remember the story of Joshua? Joshua is Moses' successor. And God had spoken to Moses spoken to Joshua that he could go and take the promised land. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 7, it reads, then, jo then Moses called for Joshua, and as all Israel watched, he said to him, everybody's watching, and this is what Joshua hears, be strong and courageous, exclamation mark, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to give their ancestors. You are the one who will deliver it to them as their inheritance. God was saying, it's a done deal. Just go into Canaan, go into that land, and you're going to receive your inheritance there. Now, when they crossed the Jordan River, guess what? They faced some enemies. There were some people that said, wait a minute. We, no, this is, we're not going to hand this over to you. But as soon as they said, no, this has been given to us, and they stood up and they fought for what was theirs, it was theirs. Likewise, God has said, I have given you every spiritual blessing. But there will be days I have defeated the enemy, but you'll have to stand up and say, you cannot be here. You are illegally squatting on my land. You have no right in my house. When you have rebellion in your home, how do you deal with rebellion? When your kids rebel, you give them the best treatment you can, you get the best counseling you can. But then there's another thing that you have. You have a blessing in the spiritual realm. And you go into their bedroom when they're not there, and you lie on that bedroom floor, or you lie on that bed, and you pray, and you command the spirit of rebellion, get out. Leave in Jesus' name. That's spiritual authority, and it translates into the natural realm. There's something that takes place. Well, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I think that would be a little bit radical to do that. Well, then you just go ahead and live with your rebellious child. You could, you could. It is radical, and not everybody wants to step up and do it. We've tried it both ways. It's better to walk in the authority of God. It's better to live in the blessings of the spiritual authority that Christ has given to us. There is a distinct link between the spiritual realm and the natural realm, and to not believe that is deception. 
There's a distinct link. And in that spiritual realm, Paul is emphatically stating, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing there. Christ has defeated the powers of darkness, it says, for the church, not for him. He was always victorious. He just knew we needed victory. Cheryl's dad was an amazing business leader, amazing negotiator. He managed uh, Canadian linen for Western Canada. He had dealt with all kinds of contractors and unions and so forth. And a lot of times he was called in in different parts of the country to negotiate the agreements. And they would even had, he even had headhunters call him and say, hey, would you uh, come work for us? Because we have these negotiations. We can't get an agreement with this union and this party. Could you come and do the deal? Because within a couple of days, he always had the deal done. And everybody was happy. And they couldn't figure out, what is he doing that we're not doing? He says, here's my secret. He didn't tell them that. He told us this. And so now I'm telling the secret. <laughs> you can use it if you want. He wouldn't mind. He's home with the Lord. So, but he would, before the meeting, he said, I'll walk into that room. and There'll be a boardroom set up. He says, I will lay my hands on every chair. I'll pray in the spirit. Because I don't know how to pray always as I ought. So I pray in the spirit. I pray in tongues for that person. I pray in my understanding for it. And I'll walk around every chair where I know they're going to be sitting. He says, but then I'll do something else. I'll speak into that spiritual realm. And I'll say every power of darkness. I don't wrestle flesh and blood. I'm not wrestling against a union. I'm not wrestling against managers. I know that it is a power of darkness that's trying to bring dissension, disunity, and, and this spirit of anger here. And in the name of Jesus, I break its power over this meeting, and he'll pray that way. He says, and then I'll say, okay, let's have the meeting. And they sat down, they'd have the meeting, and time after time they'd say, you know, I don't know why it is this way, but we just find ourselves agreeing with you. I don't know why we're working this. I just see, like normally there's a lot of heated argument, but I just, and they'd say, we feel really awkward because we're getting along. This isn't supposed to happen. Why? Because something took place in the spiritual realm before they had the meeting. And then they'd sign the deal, and it was a win-win situation on both sides. Because there's a connection. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And we can spend a lifetime just finding out the treasure that we have. It's worth more than a half a billion dollars. It's worth more than a, a luxury penthouse or a car. Those things will pass away. This is a blessing that will never pass away that we have in Christ. So... Uh, it's similar to the book of Joshua in the way that they went into Canaan. And we, too, can go into the promised land, so to speak. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, the last verse that we're going to cover this morning, where we read, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He chose us. He chose us to be holy. I don't know how you chose your clothes this morning, but you probably thought about it a little bit. And uh, you get up in the morning and you think, okay, what am I going to do today? And you base your choice of clothes on what you're going to do. If you're going to go for a bike ride, you say, okay, I need to put some runners on. I need to put some sweatpants or whatever, and I'm going to go for my bike ride. Or if you're going to go for a business meeting, you're going to put on your suit or whatever. And you, you dress for the purpose, right? You, you choose what you're going to wear based on the purpose of your day. Likewise, God chose us for a purpose. Our purpose was to be holy. Our purpose was to be in a relationship with him. And that's why he chose us. It's good to be chosen. It's good to be picked. I don't know if you played ball, baseball, or some type of a sport when you were a kid and, and you had to pick teams. Usually the two best athletes got to pick the teams. 
And sometimes you're just like, oh, pick me, please pick me. I'm starting to feel really rejected. And if you're the last one, it's like, okay, we'll take you. Come on. And he's like, <laughs> but God's not like that. He didn't say, okay, you're kind of left over, but I feel sorry for you. Come on, my team. No, he, he picked us. He chose us before the foundation. Charles Spurgeon says, a good thing God picked me before the foundation of the world because if he'd picked me now, because he, he certainly wouldn't have picked me now. I'm glad he picked me back then because if he saw the way I lived. God picked us before the foundation of the world. I don't know about you, but my head goes tilt, tilt, tilt. How could he have picked me before the foundation of the world? And then I choose him. He chose me, and then I choose him. Like, how in the world does this work? Tim, who is going to be leading the DVD you're going to be watching in your life groups this week, he asked this question. How can we be chosen, yet I have the responsibility to choose? Does man have a free will? Yes. Does God have absolute control? Yes. Does this make sense? No. Can something be true even if it doesn't make sense? Yes. Now, in the teaching and life groups this week, Wednesday or Thursday night if you come here or in your home, he has an amazing illustration that really helped me understand this. And I debated telling it to you this morning, but I'm not going to because it's a hook to get you to come to the life group. So you'll want to hear Tim Holloway talk about that little piece right there. How can this be that God chose us, and yet I choose him? Well, one aspect, he doesn't cover this, but one aspect to cover is we're pretty finite, right? You and I are finite beings. We live in this three-dimensional world bound by time. We have the past, present, and future. And we, we, get, we get time in little parcels. Right now you're here Sunday morning, a little parcel of time, but pretty soon Sunday morning is going to be passed and the service is going to be passed. And now we have the future. And we, we live in this little three-dimensional world and, and bound by time. God's not bound by time. He's infinite. And past, present, and future is all swallowed up into a present for him. So when he chose me and I chose him, to him, He's not bound by the time. It's, it's in the same plane, so to speak. It's H&L, whole nother level, okay? So one day we'll get it. But right now, we're, we're bound by time. But for God, he's not bound by time. God is love, right? Love is this fourth dimension. God is light. Didn't Einstein tell us that if you could pass the speed of light, time would no longer exist? Time doesn't exist in God because he's light. Einstein proved that. He's not bound by time. For us, we look at how could God have chosen us before the foundation of the world, and yet we choose him because he's God. Again, that's a concept that we get with our heart. We, we don't lean on our own understanding. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not trust the Lord with all your head. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Or even somebody else's understanding. You trust in the Lord with your heart. Say, God, I know by faith you chose me. And I know by faith that you have blessed me with every blessing in the spiritual realm. I'm going to receive it, and I'm going to study it, and I'm going to live in it, and I am going to enjoy it. Just like the, the, the young man in the skit. Yay! We should be as excited as he was when he found out that he just became a millionaire. Because what we have in Christ is far more precious than that. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.